Who you with? Who you with? Who you with? Y'all know how we get started on this side. Quick roll call. With my Saints fans, my Falcon fans, my Buck fans, my Panther fans. What do you keep pounding, firing off them cannons, rising up and yelling out who that? Whatever you do to support your team, I'm just glad that you're here supporting me. I, Darian the Mouth of the South Gray, the one and only host of Point Blank, period. Recorded and coming to you live from the Jansport per usual. On Instagram at underscore Mouth of the South. At Twitter at South Exclusive. Come talk to me. Y'all know I want to holler at y'all. And I'm going to start it off not even getting no rundown, no introduction. I'm going to start off talking about these Atlanta Falcons. Specifically, the Atlanta Falcon fans. This is my opening statement. The Atlanta Falcons are not trading Julio Jones. Please stop the foolishness. He's not on the trade market. If they're cleaning house and trying to get better, they're not trading Quintoris Julio Jones. It's not happening. Let it go. And if you want it to happen, I truly do question your fandom of the Atlanta Falcons. Because I cannot think, I cannot fathom how you possibly could think that trading away the best player that you have one of the top receivers in the league would make you a better team. And if you're thinking about blowing it all up, I can't think of why you would want Julio to be gone. He's one of the best people at his position. Unquestionably. We can get into debates about who you think is number one. You know, I think Michael Thomas is the best receiver in the league. But hell, does that mean I think Julio Jones is a bad receiver? No, he's not on the trade market. I understand that the Falcons are struggling. And they don't look like that good of a team. But they're not trading their best player. I don't like that I have to come in here and even address it. But I've heard multiple people say it. So obviously, somebody believes it. But to me, it's utterly ridiculous. Calvin really has been really good. Yeah, I know. But that doesn't all of a sudden make Julio Jones expendable. Look at the big plays that he created last week in his return. And while we're talking about people who aren't getting traded, um, I've heard a lot of people also talking about trading Matt Ryan. Some people say Matt Ryan and Julio Jones on the trade trade market. And I've been tough on Matty Meltz, but let's be real. You know, let's entertain it. Let's say that you trade Matt Ryan. Because I wasn't going to entertain that Julio foolishness. But let's 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 talk about this Matt Ryan nonsense. Let's say you trade Matt Ryan. You get a stud corner, like an absolute stud corner. I'm talking about a, a Stephon Gilmore, Tredavious White type guy. Then you're going to be mad about not having no offense. That's what's going to happen next. Is that when you leave Matt Ryan, you're going to be frustrated that you don't have no offense. It's a lose for losing type situation. Not to mention that there are other problems on this defense except the corner. You change whatever position. You want to get a, a, a pass rusher. You want to get another uh, linebacker. I don't know. Maybe you're not happy with how Deion Jones been playing. You want to get a, a, a D tackle to pair with, with Grady Jarrett. The defense's problems are not solvable at one spot. You will be doing more harm to that offense by losing Matt Ryan than you will be building to the defense by adding one player at any position and some draft picks if you get those. Julio Jones and Matt Ryan are not going anywhere. Point blank, period. Cut the foolishness. Stop it. Stop it. I, I thought I was going to be able to come in here and talk about the, the team. But if you're a fan wanting Julio Jones or, or Matt Ryan gone, run this, run this back about three minutes, maybe three and a half, 
and y'all got my social medias, holla at me. That's just how I feel on it. Now let's move on to another team that's more successful. And fans probably aren't clamoring to get rid of their best players. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, I know y'all probably was thinking like, oh, where he finna go with this one? Because ain't no other team in this division asking them to get rid of their best players. Nobody is doing that. But anyway, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they were supposed to play the Las Vegas Raiders on Sunday night football. And I was particularly interested in this game because I think the Raiders are looking like a contender in their first year in Vegas. But that Sunday night matchup is no longer scheduled at that time, at least. Because the NFL has moved the game to 305. This is because they didn't want to risk not having the Sunday night football game. I can understand that. That's a, a big time frame for them. They're definitely dominating. It's only one football game on. So they, just, they decided to put the um, the Seahawks Cardinals on Sunday night football. So you'll get to see Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson go at it, which is, I mean, it's, it's a great game. Don't get me wrong. That's a great game regardless. So we'll be interested to see that. But I was looking forward to seeing this on Sunday night because healthy. This is a matchup worthy of Sunday night football. Not just because it's Vegas and, you know, that's a big market. Not just because it's Tom Brady and he's he's the GOAT, you know. Because these two teams as a, as a whole are good teams in my opinion. And it got pushed back because the, the Raiders have a COVID outbreak that I, in my opinion was a long time coming. They got fined earlier because they all went to uh, Darren Waller's charity event, some sort of event he had with no masks. So them getting a COVID outbreak is not surprising to me. Um, but basically their whole O-line got it, and uh, Jonathan Abram has it. And I think Damon Arnett has it too, if I'm not mistaken. Come on, y'all. That's seven players. If we're being all the way honest, this game needs to get pushed back at least till Monday, maybe Tuesday. When the Titans had an outbreak, their game against the Steelers got pushed back to a whole nother week. That game ain't even get played yet. And... On one hand, I wanted to get pushed back, like just get delayed to another week because I love football and this would not be a good, I don't think this will be a good game if played. I I, th- I think that if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, so it'd be, probably be a great game for you because you're going to get an old, what, what, uh, <laughs> you're going to get an old-fashioned whipping. But you know, I want what JR used to say, an old-fashioned slobber knocker. That's what I want to see out of these two teams, but you won't see it. It's going to be your mama telling you go out there, pick a switch, and you're going to get your butt whooped. That's what this going to be. Because if you ain't got no offensive line, Tampa Bay Buccaneers is not the team you want to face. They are pressuring the quarterback on 34% of the dropbacks. And 34 might sound might not sound like a high number, but that's fourth in the league. When you drop back, you might get pressure. And trust and believe <laughs> that Tampa Bay is going to dial up that pressure. Ty Bowles is going to dial the pressure all the way up if he knows your offensive line is not playing. But if you're looking for a bright spot, And I have been known to find that if you ask some people in my life, they'll tell you that I'm always trying to find the bright spot and stuff. And that is that the Tampa Bay Rays play on Sunday night in the World Series. So now if you're a joint Buck and Ray fan, you get to watch both the games. I mean, I think that's good. And I was thinking to myself, what if the Rays win the World Series? They won game two. They may or may not have played game three by the time that you're listening to this. By the time I'm, At the time of recording, they have not played it. But this will be put out Friday morning. 
I'm recording it Thursday, late, late night. Um, so they won't have played game three yet. But who knows? Who knows what the what the <laughs> what the result of that game will be. But if the if the Rays can win the World Series, technically it doesn't place any more pressure on the Tampa Bay Bucks. But I will. I'm gonna put pressure on them and I'm gonna tell you why. The Lightning have already won the Stanley Cup. There has not been a city to win three championships in a year since Detroit did it in 1935. And I ain't going to lie to you. I'm not even counting it. It was 1935. The NBA wasn't even made yet. So I'm not doing it. And mind you, Tampa Bay don't have a basketball team. So regardless if, you know, I just think that'd be dope. But if regardless if the Rays win or not, the Bucks play how they did last week, and they have a really good chance of winning the Super Bowl. I think that this was the first time that you could look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and say, that team played to their potential. The, 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 that game against the Green Bay Packers is a game that has people questioning the Packers if they're for real. Because they laid a, a, a whooping on them. What I just told y'all, go get the, go get the uh, switch from outside and get whipped. Yeah, that was one of those. So, Green Bay, the game against Green Bay was one of those defining victories, and I talked about it last week. That was the, that was the team that everybody was excited about last year, except it didn't even have so much to do with Tom Brady. Yeah, he had some, some good touchdowns. Like, I mean, I'm not going to take that from him. But a lot of that, for me, was about the running game and defense, but mostly defense. Now, I'm not going to go too deep into it because, I, you know, I, I went into it last week. I went into it last week, and I don't want to just be repetitive and redundant. But that team is good <laughs> if they can play like that. Now the question becomes, how repeatable of a performance is that? And I don't know. I don't know. That's how Tony Romo. I don't know. That's how Tony Romo be sounding during his uh games. But there's neither here nor there. There's neither here nor there. I'm sorry. I'm look. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. So the question is, how repeatable is that performance? And I truly am not sure. When evaluating albums, y'all know I love music. You know, I want to hear some music that got replay value. It's a key factor. I'm not saying it's the only factor, but it's the key factor in. Is that album a classic? If, if it ain't got no replay value nine times out of ten, it's just good. It's just a good album. But I don't want to keep going back. It ain't no classic. Most classic you want to keep going back to, but saying the music podcast. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers need to make sure that they can show that their season, their 2020 album, has replay value. That's what I'm looking for. That's a key factor. In saying they are an elite team. I know what you're thinking. Darian. Or if we cool with Mouth of the South. <laughs> we, just beat, we just beat the Packers. They were one of the best teams. They were undefeated. Can we just enjoy this win? And you right. Because you a fan. You ain't on the 24 hour rule. You on that. Uh, let me do quick math. Hey, 148. 168. Yeah. Yeah. Seven days. I think it's 168 hours. If I'm wrong. 
It's tough. <laughs> but y'all on that 168 rule. Y'all going to enjoy it until the next time you play a game. So you may be thinking, you talking about classic albums, you talking about let me enjoy it. Well, why not combine the two thought processes and we just going to play Kendrick Lamar off Good Kid, Mad City. Trick don't kill my vibe. I'll be back with Point Blank, period. Welcome back to Point Blank Period. I'm Darian, the mouth of the South Gray. And what we're going to be talking about to close out today's episode is the game of the week. And that's the only divisional matchup that we have. And that's going to be the Carolina Panthers versus the New Orleans Saints. And, you know, immediate when I think about this game, I'm thinking about Teddy Bridgewater. That's the first thing that comes to my head. But it's not the first thing that I want to talk about. I want to talk about what Mayor Cantrell has done. She's allowing fans to be into the into the stadium. 3,000. And if you know it's been a big deal, some people think it's about money. Some people think she actually cares about the safety of the, uh, of the New Orleans uh, population. It really just depends on how you view it. I'm not here to talk about what her motives are. But the fact of the matter is that the Superdome is one of the toughest places to play. And it was a big deal about having a fixed roof and how you're going to put people in there safely and whatnot. But Mayor Cantrell... I'm going to share my conspiracy theories with uh, people off mic because it's funny. and I don't really believe them. I'm just making jokes. But Mayor Contrell has allowed the Saints to put people in there. And the Superdome is one of the toughest places to play. I think it's right up there with Arrowhead um, and CenturyLink, which is Seattle. Arrowhead's Kansas City. So for me, I look at it and I say, man... 3,000 is 3,000. I may, I, sure, I want the whole stand to be packed, but that's not safe. Sure, I want 25%, but she ain't going for that. So if I can get 3,000 fans in there, I'm going to get them in there. And we'll see how that affects. For the first time, the Saints will have some sort of home field advantage. But what they may not have the advantage of is having their number one 
and in my opinion, their best player, which is Michael Thomas. It looked as if this was the week that Mike was coming back. He was finally going to see that they can't guard him. Missing four games. The first three games he missed due to an ankle sprain, and the last because he had to uh, leave training camp to go fight for the UFC heavyweight championship because he tried to punch Chauncey Gardner-Johnson in the mouth, but he had a helmet on. Freaking stupid. Anyway, I'm not going to get into that. That just don't make no sense. But that's why he missed the last one. He ended up getting fined by the team. It's not a suspension. It's guaranteed money. It's not gone. But now it appears that he has a different uh, leg injury. It was the ankle. Now it's the hamstring. Uh, He didn't practice on Thursday. He went out of practice on Wednesday. I don't think he will, and I don't think he should play. Unfortunate as it is, you don't want to risk him having even further injury. You don't want to see that. So I'd rather err on the side of caution. And in the last game, Emmanuel Sanders showed me that he can be a number one. So if I need somebody to hold over, Emmanuel Sanders can hold it down. And Carolina not the best rush defending team. So I think that Alvin Kamara have a big game this week. But now let's move into what I said. Teddy Bridgewater. Um, This is a matchup. You know, I don't even want to go into a matchup of Teddy versus Drew. I'm just going to say this is something to look out for. And that's Teddy Bridgewater returning to New Orleans. And I'm thankful that they're fans in the stands now because, man, like just talking about Teddy, like I, I ain't going to lie, man. Like Teddy really became one of my favorite players. But I've always, I put this down on Twitter. I said there's a large section of Saints fans who are slight Bengal fans because of Joe Burrow and what he did for LSU. And a lot of Saints fans are LSU fans. And I don't know if the same can be said for the Panthers because they're a divisional rival. But I do know there's a section of Saints fans that is still rooting for Teddy Bridgewater. I'm in that group. The two previous seasons, Teddy was a Saint, and he quickly turned into a fan favorite. Outside of just his 5-0 and run, people loved the whole vibe of Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Two Gloves became an instant fan favorite. That 5-0 and run no doubt led to him getting a job with the Carolina Panthers, but there's so many other things that he's done, whether it's riding his bike around the city that has led to him being in the hearts of Saints fans in just two years. You know, um, running out on the field and whatnot, especially against the Vikings, because there was still a play going on. That should have been flagged. Uh, He wore my favorite number, and I'm going to not make this too long, but he wore my favorite number, and I always wanted him to be the starter so I could go get the jersey. If Teddy Bridgewater had been named the starter at any point, within seven days, I would have had his jersey all. That's facts. And honestly, when you're looking at Teddy, man, I just want to read something real quick. I want to pull up something that I had where I wrote this when Teddy Bridgewater had signed with the Panthers. And I never put it out just because I didn't feel like it. It was it was more than 160 characters. But it reads something like this. So... March 17th, 2020 is when I wrote this. All right. So it said, when we signed Teddy two years ago, I made a video saying he was the quarterback of the future. He seemed like a big part of the team, but he barely played. Then he went 5-0, and and I thought I was right. Obviously, I wasn't. Struggle emoji. Uh, <laughs> over these years, he's become one of my favorite players on the team, and he always showed love to the city, and they showed love back. He made Chopper style big again. And I'll never forget you running on the field with your beanie still on. That's the Viking game. 
And I know you're going to Carolina, but I'm still rooting for you five, uh, 14 games out of the year. Love you five. You will be missed. And that's 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 facts because, man, I wish I knew how much I rock with Teddy Bridgewater. Like, it's on another level. And it's not just because he's black. It's not just because he, he wears five. I just think he's a dope. He has a dope story. And I just think he's a, a down-to-earth person. If you ever hear somebody talk about him, uh, you'll hear the same. But this is just part of the matchup. And I could talk to the whole podcast about this, but I'm going to move on. But overall, in Carolina, you've seen him. He's gotten a better understanding of the offense as the year goes on. He's coming off a tough game with Chicago. And I understand that, you know, the whole offense played poorly. And some people are giving up on him because I think they never really believed in him. And that's tough to see. But um, overall, the offense has been playing very well without Christian McCaffrey. And I think the aerial attack will test the Saints secondary, which uh, I'll get to later. I'm going to go to Joe Brady. I want to stick on the Saint, the Saint uh, matchups. Joe Brady versus Sean Payton. And I'm not as emotionally attached to Joe Brady, even though you could argue that he did significantly more for my fandom than Teddy Bridgewater ever did. Joe Brady is another guy who used to be with the Saints, but in Louisiana, he's way more held it for his time at LSU. But he got his NFL start in New Orleans. And when we're discussing Joe Brady's system, it's very close to Sean Payton's. Breeze said it too. He said there's similar concepts with Joe Brady's scheme with a couple of changes to fit the personnel, but the base offense is the same. You know, obviously it isn't copy and paste, but I am wondering how much of the defense, how much the defense has an advantage, so to speak, because they're going against that offense in practice, or at least similar to it. Obviously it's not copy and paste. But independent of the Saints' past and whatnot, He'll, he'll be on a mission to correct his offense's problems, specifically uh, in that red zone offense. We'll see what they can do. The Saints aren't that good at red zone defense. So this is a time where you have something that somebody, two people are struggling at. Who will stop struggling? The only way we don't know is if the Saints play well enough to where they don't get into the red zone. Now getting to Sean Payton, on the other hand, he isn't a protege. This isn't a coach. Yeah, he told... Joe Brady, he shouldn't go to LSU, and then he went and won a national championship. <laughs> but I don't think that Sean Payton is under any pressure here. For me, with Sean Payton, the pressure comes with how he calls the game. It has nothing to do with Joe Brady. I think there's been some uh, times where Payton's play calling has messed up the rhythm of the game. The offense was in a rhythm, and he kind of halted it or altered that rhythm. And I'm not as negative as other people are on his play calling, but i tell you what I am negative about, and that's Taysom Hill. I want him to be used better because I know he's going to get used. Guys, for my Saints fans out there, Taysom Hill is going to be used. Sean Payton loves him. We know that. Do we like it? Probably not. I say there's a good 92% of the fan base that does not like Taysom Hill and how he's being used or don't like how Taysom Hill is being used. I don't see many people have a problem with him. I don't want to see Taysom Hill at the quarterback position unless it's first down because then we have two times to correct whatever happens or if it's second and short because if they try to do that predictable run play and they don't get it at least we still have third down I don't want Taysom Hill in there on critical situations I just don't think and I don't want him in the middle of Breeze being hot regardless of what the down is I think that that's something that Sean Payton could really work on getting better with because this year it's kind of stopped us up 
I think it stopped us up in that Green Bay game. I think it uh, caused some halts in the in the almost in San Diego in that Los Angeles game. But you know, I know Peyton out here feeling great because it led to a, a, a game tying touchdown. But I don't know. More, more times than not, it hasn't worked. And the other thing that I'll be looking for with Peyton is how are you going to start off? The Saints have yet to score a touchdown on the opening possession. They fared a little bit better on the second possession, but for the most part, they have not been good to start off the game, being outscored 37-20 to 20 in the first quarter this year. So that's what I'll be looking for. And the last thing I want to talk about is Marshawn Lattimore versus Robbie Anderson. That's my final matchup. And I said it because it's somebody who I've given hell. I've given Marshawn some hell. Y'all think I've been talking down, talk bad about Marshawn on, on microphone? Catch me when this mic ain't on. Catch me when the video ain't rolling. That never to say I never thought he was just a scrub. <laughs> but anyway, let's talk about Marshawn versus Robbie Anderson. I could see the Saints not shadowing at all during this game. Just staying on side. Marshawn, you play the left side. Um, P-Rod or Janoris, whoever is starting there, you play the right. I think that's how they did it against the Chargers after Keenan Allen went out. So, but I've also seen the number two corners in years defend DJ Moore because small, shifty, that's not that's not Marshawn's game. But if they do decide to shadow, I think that Robbie Anderson is the, is the best receiver on this team. I think he's the number one, and I think he's Teddy's favorite target. Google the name Robbie Anderson. It'll be hard not to see the phrase, not just a deep threat. Because that phrase right there defines his breakout year so far. So many people are realizing this guy does more than just go deep. He can be a complete receiver. So, okay. We see what's so high on him. He's high in the league in, in, in uh, receiving yards. So let's talk about Marshawn Lattimore, who's been given hell by the, by the fan base. The Who That Nation is letting him hear it. And trust me, he's hearing it. Because if you go look at his press conference from this week, Aside from a great moment where <laughs> as soon as one of the reporters brought up Chauncey Gardner's name, sorry for not saying your whole name, man, CJGJ, but as soon as they brought up his name, you just see this look on Marshawn's face, and I don't know, you know. I loved it because you can just see how close those two, guys, those two guys are. But outside of that, man, most of that, that press conference was him puffing out his chest and letting y'all know, like, bro, I'm like that. He literally said, if I'm a man, all game, ain't nobody doing nothing on me. That's what he said. He talked about his struggles playing zone. It was a very informative uh, interview. Actually, I'm going to watch it again. and I've already watched it, but I'm going to watch it again just because he discussed about playing zone versus playing man and how he, he always played man. He wasn't used to zone and how they're playing more zone now. And it's, it's things that I know we don't want to hear them because when there's things to, in life, this is life, period, not just football. In life, when there's something that we don't like from somebody else, if that person gives a reason or something, it can be looked at as an excuse. But it's not an excuse, it's just a reason. He's not saying, hey, I can't play zone. Hey, they playing zone, so I don't look good, period. No, it's like they're playing zone. He may not be good at it. To me, I'm not saying that's just like taking the utmost responsibility of it. But there's always a reason behind things. Eight times out of ten. So I said all to say that Marshawn Lattimore was in a press conference puffing out his chest and saying, can't nobody you know, play with him. So 
Play to your potential, brother. No one talking, let's go do it. And I think that Marshawn does show up this week because, A, he trying to defend his name. And then, B, Robbie Anderson is killing it this year. So I think that Marshawn Lattimore will see this as a big-time matchup. You better come out there and play, Marsh, because if not, you're going to get embarrassed. And you came out there and you talked. You don't want to get embarrassed after you talk. Point blank, period. But yeah, man, I ain't got nothing else to say, so I'm finna get out of here. I'm finna uh, take my butt on to sleep. I told you I'm recording this late, late. But nonetheless, I appreciate y'all for taking this ride with me. It's been point blank, period. I am Darian the Mouth of the South Gray. Run it back to the next time y'all hear me.